Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Living Courageously Exposed, hosted by Big Inside Out Adventures, and yours truly, Jennifer J. Saunders, a friend, Tommy J. Today I have with me a dynamic individual who I again met happenstance and an opportunity to like get out of my own comfort zone, and I made a phone call and I met Cornelius J. Maxwell. Army veteran, he's a philanthropist, an entrepreneur, he's a consultant and a real estate investor. And one of the things that he really likes to do is get on the stage and be a motivational speaker, talking on the topics of leadership and understanding. Uh, one thing he and I talked about is he likes talking about the difference between being busy and productive and having planning and purpose. Uh, this guy has so much energy. You guys are going to love hearing him and talking with him. I know in the few minutes I had with him, a couple of weeks ago, I left the conversation really excited to get on this podcast today. So Cornelius, how in the heck are you today? I'm great, Jennifer. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm happy it's Friday. I get to go do some volunteering and playing. Great, great. I agree. And also, I'd like to say thank you for having me. Yeah, um, I really appreciate that. I'm completely honored. Yay. I love that. <laughs> it's reciprocal, my friend. So let's just start off like this. I know you have a lot of really cool things to share with us, but let, let's let me ask this question of like, what was Cornelius J. Maxwell like as a younger kid, as a little boy? Uh, me as a young man, uh, for one, I've always been there to help people. I always help my parents. Uh, my parents have been married now for about 40 years or so. Wow. Um, and yes, and I have an older brother. He has autism. And so I always felt that it was my need to help out. So I spent a lot of my time, my youth, helping him out, taking help of my parents take care of him uh, because he doesn't speak uh, words. He makes sounds and he rocks, but he doesn't sense danger. So a lot of times, um, you know, he needs someone to watch him and we have to watch him intensely because if he's in pain, why well, is something's wrong with his health? He couldn't tell us. Right. So or I'd say he doesn't have the, uh, you know, he doesn't have the, the skills, the communication skills to tell us. So we have to read this nonverbal communication and keep close eye on him. So I spent a lot of time in my childhood uh, watching over him and taking care of him and uh, my brothers and sisters because there's five of us in total in general um, between my mom and my dad. So, and uh, with my brother, he's oldest, but then I'm next in line as the second oldest. Okay. So I always played, I always felt like it was my role to be the oldest because of that. Right. And so, um, you didn't I have the chance to have that like <laughs> second child syndrome that we talked about a lot. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. <laughs> and so the responsibility was on me and I had to set the example for my brothers and sisters. Um, you know, growing up in school, I was in gifted and talented. I made straight A's in elementary school. Um, I graduated high school a year early. I graduated in three years. I was 17 when I graduated. Wow. Um, mm -hmm. Um, I played football. I was a two-time varsity letterman. So I started as a sophomore in varsity playing football, and I started um, my junior year as well. So I started as a tight end my, my junior year, and I started as a, a defensive man on both sides of the ball. So it was really exciting for me. Yeah, <laughs> to, to say, say the least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then also, uh, I grew up in church a lot. My, my dad's a preacher. My mom's a missionary. And so Christian values were are deep embedded in our uh, and who we are, and uh, and so and it, and it shapes my identity because uh, that's my foundation. That's the foundation my parents instilled in us as children and all five of us. And I'm grateful for it. So I'm grateful for the individuals they are, and and helps me and and the foundation they laid. Because I uh, I like to talk about my dad, where if he'll see someone on the side of the road a lot of times, and if 
we're just getting out of church, he'll pull over and take his suit jacket off and go on the ground and lay on the suit jacket to help someone fix their car and stuff like that. So I learned generosity and leadership from my father and my mother as well. So, right. um, you know, but those are just a few examples I learned as, as a child growing up. So I love that. It, it sounds like you had amazing examples of, um, like you say, kindness and leadership and generosity and and not just examples, but you got to see it firsthand. Like you actually lived it and you saw these people living it. And what a really, what a really neat thing. And, you know, from our previous conversation, you know, you and I didn't talk about what you just shared. And uh, I have a much bigger picture of why you do the things that you do today. And my heart's like just beating in my chest with excitement. Great, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Do you care if we go back to your brother with autism for just a second? Um, okay. I feel like what a what a really it could be a really challenging experience to have as a as a younger person but also a really beautiful experience as well i feel like the people i know who have the opportunity to have a sibling or family member with a different kind of ability learn some really amazing skills that some of the rest of us just may not by way of tenderness and really um, taking care of people what do you feel like this uh, i'm going to call it a blessing just based off of what what you just said how do you feel like having a brother with autism has blessed your life and helped you be who you are today? Well, for one, it teaches me a level of leadership and patience because for one, you know, most children are more, a lot of children, I won't say most, but there are a number of cases where children feel like um, their parents should spoil them or take care of them. And in that case, I didn't, I didn't feel like I didn't have that. I felt responsible for somebody else. And it's not that it was my responsibility, but it was something that I felt because it was my parents' responsibility. But I felt like I wanted to help my parents and honor them by helping them with him. And uh, and his, he's been a blessing in our lives. And, and the reason why he's been a blessing is it's been uh, just studying him and learning him. And I understand that it helps me understand that people are unique, you know. So I don't even consider him as a disability. I consider him as unique. And I, I believe that, that, you know, God makes all of us unique and original. So we're all uniquely and original. And so and, uh, I would like to share a story with you. There yeah, was a time, okay, there was a time back, I believe in 96 or so, in the 90s, I believe it was about 96, where my mother was in a car accident. And uh, the car flipped over three times and uh, she had three slip discs in the back of her neck. And so, yeah, and so uh, they said she was gonna be pretty much uh, suffering the rest of her, her life. And we used to boil hot water to put on her neck to ease her pain because she was taking pain meds and didn't work and stuff like that. And so what happened was um, my brother started studying her neck for some reason. He became intrigued about it. So he'll walk up to her and he started rubbing her neck and, and he'll just say, hmm. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he just kept rubbing for some reason. And then one day he kissed my mother on the forehead and he pushed on her back of her neck where the disc was uh, where, where, you know, where on the nerves because the disc were on the nerve. Right. And the doctors didn't want to do surgery on it because they believed that she was going to be paralyzed from the neck down. That was the outcome of the surgery. So they went to surgery on it. We had three different doctors up to look at it. Yeah. And they all said the same thing. And so when he kissed on the forehead and pushed on the, on the neck, uh, she hit the ground, screaming in pain, um, trembling in pain. And uh, he'll run off. And he'll run off laughing. And, we, you know, we were mad. We were hurt because, you know, that's my mother. And we don't, nobody wants to see their mother in that kind of pain. Right. But uh, he did that about six or seven times or so. And after that six or seven times, we noticed like the swelling in her neck started going down. And what? yes, and uh, she started moving her head more without having to turn her shoulders more. 
And uh, so what we did was we took her back to the hospital and we had an MRI done and all three of her discs had been pushed back in place. Oh my word. <laughs> yes. And uh, I actually told that story at uh, UCLA last year because I want to start a nonprofit. I want to be able to get my, and I want to start a nonprofit. I don't want to get paid. I know a lot of people, they, you know, they take funds out of it. I don't, I want to be able to help people with those disabilities, uh, help them more often in life. So uh, as I become more financially where I need to be personally, I want to be able to do that. And so I pitched that story there and it gave me great feedback behind it. So, yeah, I, well, I commend, I commend that, that dream and that desire to help. And, but quick question, the brother that was kissing your mom on the forehead and, and moving, is that your brother with autism? Correct. Oh my gosh. Okay. What is his name? Uh, his name is Edward, Edward Ed, Maxwell. Edward mm -hmm. Maxwell. So, do you think by chance, so I, I have my own theory on this, but do you think that possibly Edward had some sensitivities that maybe you and I and the rest of your family didn't know or understand in regards to your mother's injury? And uh, Okay, uh, I believe, well, we don't know because he doesn't speak, so we never know what's right. on his mind. Uh, so we do believe that it was some sort of divine intervention in there where, you know, God might have guided his hands on that level. Because like I said, even the surgeons who have years and years and years of training didn't even want to touch it, you know, and, and it, they didn't do the surgery. So they just didn't have to tear the flesh open or nothing like that. So, um, and they said, it, they, they said it's pushed back in place as if nothing never happened. And, uh, so, and like I said, my mother, she's excited about it. She loved it. And she wasn't even supposed to paint, which makes her story awesome because now she's an international known artist um, right. for her work. <laughs> We're going to talk about that international known artist here in just a little bit. Um, I, I, like I told you, I've looked at some of her artwork on the website, and we're going to share that out with people so that they can get a peek at that too. Okay, so let's let's talk about. I appreciate you sharing the story about your brother and your mom. That like that that for me is just like I find that as a as a God intervention, and um, you know I do believe He gives that these people who who get to deal with autism. Um, you know, there are they're sensitive in ways that you and I just just don't understand. And so I think that's a beautiful story. I appreciate you sharing. So let's talk about you now moving on. Um, you said that you you're a, a bilingual U.S. Army vet. Tell us how you uh, came to be in the Army. Initially, well, well, my dad served. Uh, my dad's retired Army himself. Okay. Um, and then it came, like I said, I was in college at the time period. And uh, I was struggling financially to maintain going to school and uh, a job and and stuff of that nature. You know, I was a young man and trying to you know learn my way through life and my niche in, in business. Right. And and so I was struggling, and so I decided to go to school because I, I told my parents I wanted to honor them, and they told me to get a college degree. And so I wanted to honor them, and I felt like that I was failing to honor them. And so I went. I chose the option of the military route because it presented opportunities for me that. I was struggling to find on my own. So I decided to do that. And yeah, I believe it was one of the best decisions I've made in my adult life. And why is that? Why do you feel like it was, you said in your adult, uh, whole adult life, <laughs> what makes it one of the best decisions? Because of the, the relationships I built in the military, um, the knowledge I've learned, you know, I learned, you know, you know, I was blessed to have people who were influential in my life. You know, it was for some reason or another, uh, I believe that God wanted me in the military because it was like everywhere I went, it was always someone that was there to mentor me. And I didn't have to go seeking mentorship. If people see me and say, there's something different about you. or There's something special about you. And there's someone who would be like my boss. 
and right. they would take me under their wing and, and mentor me. They're kind of like big brother mentoring me. And, and and a lot of times, you know, military people they rank is hiding words. You got to listen as they tell you, and I'm being told this, you're gonna come listen to me and I'm gonna give you some advice to make you wiser, is what I got. So. <laughs> and so and so how old were you at the time? Uh when I first enlisted, I believe I was about twenty-two, maybe twenty-three at the time okay, so, that age frame. So you're still young, wet behind the ears, trying to figure out what life is about, and you've got these military um, leaders, uh, superiors saying to you, like, hey. Cornelius, we see something in you. Like you're gonna come and listen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at, at 22, what 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 was that experience like? Like, what did you feel? How did that you know? What emotions and and stuff did that bring up in you? Did you even uh, know that you were someone that people were like, you're you have amazingness in you, or was this kind of like, wait a minute, you're seeing something I don't see, and uh, I'm gonna follow? Well, I would believe that. Um, God was going to, God can use anybody. I always believe that no matter who they are. Right. And I, I saw that, you know, with my brother. And so, but it, it's not like that. I was going around saying, Hey, look, I'm special. That's what made it awkward. It, it's like, it was a stranger coming to me and to say that right. there's something about you. I don't know what it is, you know? And, and initially I kind of thought, well, maybe it might be someone just trying to pick on me. But then as I listened to them talk and it's like, Oh, well, maybe they're just trying to teach me something. And so, and I learned a lot that way by just keeping my mouth closed and listening. Right. And uh, and, and since uh, they were in a position of authority where they, they could talk and I'm supposed to listen, it made it easier <laughs> for me to do so. <laughs> it does make it easier, doesn't it? Oh, my and God. It that I, and it didn't hurt that I was getting paid to listen to them also, so that made it easier as well. So Right. <laughs> and that if we all could get paid to listen, maybe we'd have a few more better listeners, right? That's right. <laughs> so what were some of the things that these leaders and um, superiors were wanting to teach you? Like, what were the lessons that you learned that you were then able to take and move forward with later in your life? Uh, they taught me a lot about leadership, you know, and on how to inspire people and how great leaders choose to inspire people and to lead by example. Don't just do as I say, but do as I do. Wow. You know? and, and, and that was huge to me because a lot of times those guys were actually doing as they were saying they were doing you know they weren't just talkers and right. and, you know and so i thought it to be mutually beneficial because they were teaching me as and now i'm, I'm telling those same lessons to other people so it, like that's why i say it's mutually beneficial because you know i maintain that you know i'm trying to maintain the same style the same standard of leadership myself and uh and as i think it's a blessing to have those type of people who have that kind of influence on your life Especially when you look at it when there's more than one person, more than two people, you know, more than 10 people, you know, that have that kind of influence on you. And, and that's amazing, you know. And I, I hear a lot of people say is uh, they don't have people that can influence them like that. And, and right. people just walked up to me and said, look, this is what it is. I'm <laughs> <laughs> we see something in you. We're going to help bring it out and develop it. I love it. And, uh, I, and, and I like, too, that you now have taken that and are – doing that for other people like hey i i see something in you like that you're you're using these skills to help develop other people and that it it sounds like it lit a fire for you to just like be this big old flame that just engulfs people in a really powerful and developing refining kind of way it is because i like to see people be their best you know right and uh and it helps me become my best and true leadership isn't based upon what you do, but it's how you inspire others to do. And and so, because then now you, 
if you're just saying, I did this, I did that, you're doing more self-gratification compared right. to if someone else is learning from your leadership and you see how they grow, then you can see that, you know. Um, so it brings a question to my mind. When you say you want to bring out the best in people, how do you define what is the best for a person? Or how do you know that their best is coming out? Well, you, you can tell it when they're giving their best effort. You can tell a person's true passion when they're really passionate about something. You can't fake that, you know. Gotcha. Uh, you know, when someone's really passionate about something. You want to see people, uh, especially when they're, they're helping others, when they're helping others in that nature and trying to improve the quality of life of others. And that, I, I believe that's the best way we can help people, you know. Um, on a physical level, on an earthly level, we can help people that way, you know, helping them improve the quality of life of others. I think you make a very powerful point there. You know, when we're talking about mentors and being speakers and wanting to have an impact on other people, really the greatest payback is watching them then take their skills and help develop other people. So we just continue this beautiful cycle, you know, mm -hmm. and occasionally we get the people who you say like, you know, they're just in it for the power or the self-recognition. And it is a little bit, it feels a little less rewarding. I know when I step into those places, because I'm human and sometimes I find myself there, I'm not as fulfilled. And mm -hmm. But when I really can take it outside of myself and give it back, one, I know I'm, I'm like you say, honoring those who have taught me and mm -hmm. just watching that, uh, that flame continue to fan. It's awesome. Yes. So I like how you defined that. Great, great. Appreciate that. And like I said, I meant that it's, it was sincere. Yes. <laughs> and so, and, and like I said, I was taught that the same way I think from others. You know, uh, I like to believe that I like to let my other people's gray hairs be my gray hairs. You know, their life I experience, my life experience without actually me walking through those steps. I walk through it from their stories, from their wisdom. Yeah, I'm going to write that one down. Others' gray <laughs> hairs are my gray hairs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a really great way of saying I'm, I'm willing to, you know, learn through your experience and, mm -hmm. and walk it with you versus having to maybe like walk through the entire fire by myself. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to the military a little bit. And you had great mentors. You, you said you learned leadership and how to lead by example and that you had powerful people doing that for you mm -hmm. and with you. What were some of the things that you bumped up against that maybe weren't as encouraging or that you're just like, ah, I just want to pound my head or things that were maybe felt the script. Like how did, what were some of those things and how did you get around them and stay in a really positive headspace and to continue mm -hmm. moving forward? Um, there were certain times I, I did face frustration, especially when I was um, in combat zone areas. Um, okay. You know, uh, I deployed three times. And okay. so um, those situations can become frustrating and then not to mention other people's frustrations, uh, they tend to wear on you, especially when you have a sergeant's role. I, I, you know, I was blessed to acquire the rank of sergeant. And so uh, some people, you can see their frustrations and they're misunderstood. And, and uh, I was able to take the time and, and, and learn those frustrations and help them get over those frustrations and watch them succeed. And uh, like I said, I was blessed for that. Uh, I'm not saying, oh no, I was blessed by that because right. of that. And so, um, and I was blessed to see them excel because those frustrations were uh, lifted off their shoulders and stuff like that. And you can see how I weighed them down. And 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 when you see other people struggling, you know, if you genuinely care about people, it's going to affect you uh, as well, whether you show it or not. You, you feel it. And so uh, 
like I said, I felt it. And uh, that was a blessing to see them smiling and getting over those uh, those hurdles. So. Yeah. So, so if I heard you correctly, just, just to kind of sum this down, you helped people feel seen and heard. Like someone really cared about what they were experiencing in the moment. Am I hearing that correctly? Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What what a what a powerful thing that is when we when we one can have the skills and are willing to take the time, like you say, to let their gray hairs be ours and we sit mm -hmm. with them and we listen. Um, that connection that comes from that and the you know how that lessens the loneliness that people feel and gives them that sense of hope. And I love that you have and have developed those skills to do that. How do you feel like other people did that for you? Um, it started just with the teaching my parents taught us growing up. You know, there was times we were frustrated and um, they always told us to keep our head up, be proud, walk with your chest out, um, you know, pray. When you get frustrated, trust God. Um, and so, you know, that's what I was taught growing up, you know, and then uh, I was around, my parents had me surrounded around, around people who taught me those things, those same lessons and uh, and then growing up, I was taught, and then like I said, in my adult life, uh, I was blessed to come across people who were willing to help me with those same lessons and even teach me, like, you know, from a different perspective. So, you know, uh, I've been taught my whole life and just from uh, have those type of influences. That's really cool. I, I love that you're the kind of guy that's like open-minded and open-hearted enough to see all of these lessons all around you, like in your childhood, in your parents, mm -hmm. you know, with your military leaders, like, and that you're actually using it. And, yes. and what I also heard you say is it's important to have a good sense of community, like a strong community around you mm -hmm. of people who are willing to see you for who you are and mm -hmm. allow you to be that person and support you in that, what, you know, whatever that looks like and, and encourage you in your good values. Yes, uh, uh, you know, I believe in that saying. You heard that saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Amen. It, it, it does, you know. Uh, and also, you're familiar with the author, John Maxwell? Yes. Yes, uh, I remember I was reading one of his books titled The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And right. uh, he was saying that one is too small of a number to achieve greatness. So, with right. that being said, you know, you can't do it alone. You have to have a strong support system around you and, and, and deeply connected to you. Um, not just on a business level, but on a personal level. So will you repeat that quote by John? One is the... One is too small of a number to achieve greatness. I love it. One is too small of a number to achieve greatness. Ah, so those of you listening out there, if you're trying to do this on your own, there's some sage advice by John Maxwell <laughs> and Cornelius Maxwell. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's coincidence, but it's uh, right. <laughs> you're like, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm sure we're, we're brothers from another mother. Um, <laughs> so reach out, like I'm hearing you say, reach out to people. If, you, if uh -huh. people aren't coming to you, then find the courage and the strength to reach out to someone who you feel like would be a good mentor to you. Correct. Uh, matter of fact, uh, my profile on LinkedIn, I said it was a quote that I was thinking one day. And I stated that uh, leadership leaders seek for opportunities to serve others without the expectation for others to serve them. Ooh, so, I like it. Will you repeat that <laughs> on his LinkedIn page? Yes, uh, leaders seek for the opportunities to serve others 
without the expectation of others to serve them. I love it. Leaders seek to serve without the expectation of being served. Very cool. Okay, so let's let's move on. So your your military. How long were you in the military? You said you served three. You did three tours. How mm -hmm. long was your military service? Uh, I served uh, around seven years active duty and then one year in the reserves. Okay, so total eight years. Awesome. Um, and so when you're now you're out of the military, what uh, what are you doing now, and how do you use that experience to continue on this path of motivating people? helping develop people to be their best selves, to be their own leaders? Mm -hmm. um, I've done something like that. I remember uh, just a few years ago, uh, I was studying at uh, UTI, Universal Technical Institute, uh, about cars. And uh, uh, some people wanted, they, they met me and they said something about you. So we want you to be our student council president. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so uh, one of the guys asked me, walking to the, the walking to the office, no, you're going to leave. And he actually got me the application for the uh, program. And uh, I ended up getting that surfing in that position. And so uh, what I did was I wanted to inspire others to be leaders. So I created a leadership workshop there on campus. Oh, and very I was able, cool. Yes. And uh, it was it was awesome. Um, I was able to uh, acquire the campus president as a speaker. And so um, I was also able to acquire the director of education and um, the director of the student services, and they all spoke, and um, the students came, and some of those uh, professors, instructors came, and uh, they enjoyed it. And even some of the students uh, taught at the conference, those leadership workshops. And uh, it was awesome seeing how they were going and how they uh, were enjoying it. And, and, and it was something different, especially because that's more of a technical school. Right. And so to see that there, it was different. It was awesome to see how when they first came in and how they transformed. Um, their leadership skills. So, and and how it just it did more than just build their resume, it built their confidence. Right. I thought it was awesome. Isn't that such an amazing thing? I just spent last week four days in a in a youth leadership conference, and and it sounds like you, we got to experience something that you watch them come in, and you know they're mm -hmm. kind of shy and their heads are down, and <laughs> by little, and you, and they leave almost completely different people because mm -hmm. of what you just said, like. They something has awoken inside them. That spark has been banned, and now the flame. And you see it as they leave. So I love that you that you took the opportunity to do that. Was it scary at first, like to be like, what am I going to do? How am I going to put this together? Uh, I wasn't afraid of anything because those guys, for some reason, just felt a love of confidence in me. You know, like they they presented me and said, no, we want you. You know. And like I said, I met these guys just from just being in class and walking the halls and conversations. And notice, you know that you know that there's something different as far as your leadership ability. And, you know, and so with that being stated, I was I'm always confident. And so it wasn't a issue. What I did was I decided, well, let me see what is what needs to be helped around with where people need help at. And then let me also you know create some, some innovation. And so then that was the you know that was the idea I had was the innovation as well as helping people. And uh, I said, and it was a it was a blessing. I enjoyed it uh, while I was there, and I enjoyed the relationships that I built and the people that I met. And uh, uh, even got to, it was so good where even to where the campus president said they need the governor uh, of Arizona for that. And so that was awesome as well. So uh, things it just like I said, it just worked out to be just a, a blessing in general, not just for me but for everyone that I feel. And I was blessed to see others succeed and excel so as i'm listening to you i have another question that's come to mind um mm -hmm. you you appear and feel 
to be like a very confident fellow. Like that's something that was um, instilled and developed in you as a young child through the care of your parents and through you uh, stepping up and, and stepping into the responsibility of learning from and caring for your brother. And how, for our people who may not have as much confidence in their, in their lives at the moment or, or ever um, mm-hmm. up to this point, how, how do you, what, what advice or suggestions do you give to them to boost that confidence and what tools do you implement? Do you have days where you're just like, oh, I just don't, I just don't know if I can do this. Like, do you feel fear? I know there's a question in there. Like, what do you tell people like to boost that confidence and be able to maintain and stay in it? Um, well, my parents taught us growing up that fear is the opposite of love. Okay. And so uh, when you fear, it prevents you from making sound decisions when you live in fear. So a lot of times I tell that to people in general, I believe that everyone can excel at everything or, you know, a certain, they can excel what they put their mind to. Uh, I genuinely believe that. And it's just a matter of now is implementing the right tactics okay. and harnessing those skills. So it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when you decide to do it. And so when, when a person realizes that, um, and, and I see when people, when they, they come from, so I met some people where, well, I can't do this, I can't do that. And, and when I start telling them things of that nature, they kind of thought, hmm, you know, and, and, it's, and they start to think about it. And then, and then you start thinking, well, what are some things you succeeded at? Everybody succeeded at something. You know, if you can walk, you learned as a baby, you got to stand up first before you can walk. So you got to fall, you stand up, take your first step, fall. Stand up, take your first step, fall. Stand up, take your first step. Keep your balance, take the second step, fall. <laughs> right. So, and, and that's how we have to move with your life. You know, that confidence that child doesn't have, but when that parent says, come on, come on, come on, I'll catch you, come on. And, and it's the same thing, it's harnessing those skills. I love it. So one of my favorite quotes when you're talking about steps, one of my favorite quotes, oh my gosh, and his name is flipping my mind, but he says, God didn't give us a right foot and a wrong foot. He gave mm-hmm. us a right correction and a left correction and a right correction and a left correction until we continue taking those steps, you know, walking and then on to running. Um, Bucky Fuller, his name is Bucky Fuller, says that. Okay. Quote. So I appreciate you like bringing that point up. And so I'm just going to reiterate a couple of things that you just said about, you know, how you maintain confidence and moving forward and how others can follow in your footsteps. And you said that as, as a young person, your parents taught you that fear is the opposite of love. Mm-hmm. Um, then to implement implement the right measures, mm-hmm. get the right tools, and it's not if but when. Correct. You get that out of your head. It's not if, it's but when. And then really paying attention to what you succeed at in a particular day, knowing that every day there's going to be successes. I think those are really powerful tools to live by. <laughs> Great, appreciate it. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, so as you continue taking these steps forward, one thing that you and I talked about is your mom. And, and you have this great love and respect for your mom and your mom's doing some really amazing things as well. And I would love to talk about how you support her in her, in her adventures and the things that she's accomplishing. And so let's, let's move into Lorna Renee and who yes. happens to be your mom and her artwork. I'm just going to invite you to talk a little bit about that and what she's doing with it and your role in that. Okay. Well, like I said, she's the artist, you know, she's very talented and, from my understanding, she really was uh, blessed with that talent. She didn't take any uh, art classes. 
um, according to my knowledge, anything like that. So she doesn't have a degree in art. And so, but she is blessed with, with that skill. And uh, when she was in high school, you know, someone asked her to enter into a statewide competition. And uh, yes, and her art, and uh, she painted a picture of me with a, I believe it was acrylic, acrylic paint, and it placed second in the entire state. Wow, in high school. <laughs> yes. And so, but uh, she still didn't paint professionally until a few years ago, uh, say around 2013, 14-ish or so. Okay. And uh, and so I was in college at the time. I just got the military and I'm still in school. And uh, I said, well, mom, all these years, you spent sacrificing for me. Uh, you sacrificed for my dad when he was in the military. You sacrificed for me and my three tours. And uh, my younger brother's in the military. He, was, he served a tour overseas as well. And so you made a lot of sacrifices for my brothers, and I have two sisters. And so you made a lot of sacrifices for others. So let me see what I can do to help you and honor you. And so uh, you reap what you sow. So you make those sacrifices. I decided to help sacrifice for her as well. And so you know and that's what we did. And uh, well, so we started painting. I set up. I helped her set up the website, and then started doing. You know, getting some of her artwork together. And she started painting again, and and then she's really passionate about it. And in the process, well, someone reached out to us and said, well, we have an international global competition and we think that, you know, you should enter into this competition. And there was representatives from 60 different countries. And uh, yes, it was like 400 cities. Submissions came from 400 different cities worldwide. And uh, my mother was able to have two of her pieces uh, represented on that global showcase on a gallery. So now those pieces, I believe, are highlighted on the website. Uh, and I'm not remembering the names of them at the moment, but I looked at them and uh-huh. they're awesome. <laughs> yes. Do that. Uh-huh. And yes, those are actually original oil paintings. Uh, we, we do sell the prints online, but okay. the actual originals are oil paintings of those. And Very so, good. yes. And so, you know, that takes creative and talent. The, the first one was uh, called Streets of Levy Heaven. And that one she painted, uh, she, at the time she lived in New Orleans. And so she painted that off the, uh, the levy. And I that was love, the type she had. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> yes, it's awesome. It was a mental picture that she received uh, while looking up off the levee. And so she decided to paint it just off of memory. No pictures, no photographs, just all memory. Wow. And, yes. And uh, the other one was called the Silhouette of Gospel Fest. And so uh, she used it as uh, the New Orleans uh, style and, and flavor because you know, she was inspired by the uh, uh, New Orleans culture at that nice. time because you know, she lived in New Orleans. So uh, and so that one was the second one. And so they both featured one featured in July, and one featured in uh, September of 2014. Very cool. Now, again, you guys can go to Lorna Renee FineArt.com and we'll put that in the notes so that you have the correct spelling. And uh, you can view her artwork. You will also be able to purchase it. We're going to give you a code for that and uh, make sure that you can go on and just see the talents of Cornelius's mom, Lorna. Now, one thing I would like you to share with us is she did a special exhibit that mm-hmm. that honors you and your dad and your brother and all the other people who serve in the military. Would you share with us what that is? Uh, yes, we held an art exhibition for Veterans Day uh, from November 1st to November 9th of 2017. Uh, we held it at the Oklahoma State Capitol during their centennial year for uh, the Veterans Day. And she did pieces from her perspective to honor veterans as a mother and a veteran, uh, as a mother and a wife of veterans. So that was her influence. And she talked to other mothers and other wives of veterans. And, and so she was really inspired by that. 
And also what we want to do, our goal is to honor 100,000 veterans uh, by simply, uh, yes, by simply acquiring the name, the rank, the branch, and the time they served, you know, which year, the years they served. And so uh, we're not getting deep in, you know, as far as uh, their personal information, it's just a quick say, you know, thank you for your service and, and we tribute, it's a tribute to the art. And have you, have you reached your 100,000 names? No, we haven't. Right now, we're currently close to around 500. So, so we're still trying to work on that because okay. uh, we're going to start planning for the next exhibition, which you're going to paint, and we're going to still bring those names up because we actually display the names during the exhibition. I love it. So can other people give you names? Can they get a hold of you and say, hey, here's this information? Yes, what they can do that. Yes, absolutely. And it's actually, it's, there's no charge to do so, uh, to put those names on. Like I said, we will display them. Okay, uh, and, to those and where can a person send that information to? They can go to the website, you want to reneefineart.com website. Okay. Um, they can go there and uh, and just register, like I say, and as well, they can look at the art as well. As well. So. Okay, so um, there's an actual link on that website where they can can register the names and have them be a part of the art exhibit as correct. well. Correct, yes. We have a tab set up that's stated uh, to register a veteran, or they can just go into contact information, just put the information down. Um, either way. So it, it works out either way. That is really cool. So if you're listening, let's help Cornelius and his family reach their 100,000 names and go on to LornaReneeFineArts.com and get those names registered. They can be a part of the exhibit and then help these guys reach their goal of honoring 100,000. What a cool thing. Like, that's yes. pretty awesome. I have, I have a brother who's, who's a vet and I have mm -hmm. lots of friends who are vets. And so this is something that um, you know, it hits home for me. And mm -hmm. uh, wow, I'm feeling some emotion show up. Um, I love that your mom has taken the opportunity and to like paint this artwork from the perspective of wives and mothers. You know, I think it's something that me personally, I don't see very often. And I think it's such a special thing, especially as I hear the stories of women who have loved ones out and you know, just the care and concern and the worry and, and mm -hmm. all of the emotions that go into that. And I loved, I loved watching and seeing the artwork and uh, mm -hmm. that you guys have an opportunity to do this. I stand a hundred percent behind it. Great. Appreciate that. Yeah, and we help you get your names. Great. Appreciate that. Like I said, we do want to honor. And then also we held an award ceremony at the uh, exhibition. And so, uh, Myself and a dear friend of mine, very close friend of mine, his name is uh, Major Vernon Nalls Jr. Uh, we spoke at the award ceremony, and uh, he just retired last year in October. And uh, we both gave speeches with the award ceremony, and we were able to honor some veterans with certificates. Um, some of them even worked with the Oklahoma Department of Veteran Affairs. And, um, so we presented a certificate thanking them for their service. And, and, and so that was a blessing. And in the speech I had uh, that I gave one of my battle buddies, a guy that I deployed with, his name is Bobby Person. And uh, he recorded the speech, and the speech right now is on Facebook. Um, it's doing pretty well. I introduced what I titled the transition units theory, which if we, which I taught, well, I spoke is if we uh, implement transition units into for the personnel that are transitioning out in the military, then we can help them be more prepared for civilian life, and so we can be more proactive towards catching people with their early stages of PTSD. We can help them prevent from being homeless and being unemployed, because now we're giving them the time to process to do that. You know, the military process, uh, they do have a time up here where you can take time off and, and figure that out. But I figure if we implement where they have the opportunity to transition 
instead of going to work and being soldiers, then they'll be better prepared for the civilian world. And I love that you brought that up because I was going to ask you to, because I, I know that when we spoke before, that was one thing that really stood out for me is, is your work now in helping with these transition units so that we can help bring our our loved ones and, and veterans back into, you know, normal everyday life and in a more healthy fashion that feels better for them, feels better for their families. Mm-hmm. And so are these, where, where are these units set up and kind of what do they look like as far as the care that a veteran would get when they enter one of them? Well, for one, it'll kind of let them develop the civilian mentality. So it'll be a place where they can report, uh, instead of reporting uniform, they report regular in regular clothes, they grow their, you know, their, if they're men, they grow their face hair out or cut their hair or let it grow. You know, same with women, they can do the same thing. Uh, and from there, they're able to, you know, you know a list of professionals, you know, as far as it, I believe it'll, it'll be able to be pre- preventive for PTSD because during the military, when you're in service and you state that you're having PTSD issues, then you tend to be penalized for that. And so we're so if we report it to the transition unit where they say, well, I'm having these symptoms, well, they don't need a weapon anymore. So which makes sense to penalize, well, my life is in your hands and you're having these mental issues. I'm going to take that weapon from you. Right. So these guys are it makes complete sense. So I don't I don't see there's anything wrong with that particular process on that level if you're going back into a combat zone. But if you're exiting the military and they can come, you know, it's beneficial to say, well, you know what? I'm believing I'm having these issues and I can get some help on it now. I don't need a weapon anymore because I'm not deploying anymore. So I think it'd be beneficial that way to do so at the place where they all can meet up. Uh, they can talk to the people they need to talk to. It also helped them build their resume. And I even believe that helped them with their unemployed, you know, with being unemployed. I believe that while they're still collecting a military check, they can still intern with certain companies while still getting paid and transition their uh, let's say for about a month or two, they, they're still getting paid by the military as an intern. So the company's benefiting from their internship and the individual service members benefiting from collecting their military check. And then as they transition out the military, they start rotating the pay schedule from the civilian companies to the actual individuals and military stops paying them. So, right. um, so it's an opportunity, mm-hmm. if I'm hearing you correctly, an opportunity to start gaining the skills in a new profession or a new skill set while they're still... You know, maybe maybe in that training period, there is no pay or very little pay, but they still have the military pay. So, uh, and why they're gaining these skill sets and in this transition, am I hearing that correctly? Correct. That's really cool. And also, it sounds like you're setting up places of safety that allow these vets to be honest and open and vulnerable with their real feelings, like talking about what the real issues are, like we're lonely or we're fearful or whatever else is is going on. Uh, we're feeling anger that you, that you're setting up safe places for them to to address the actual issues and be able to have the language and the people to assist them and to know that someone is actually there for them and they're not being handed off uh-huh. you know, because you don't know how to handle the situation. Am I hearing that correctly? Correct. You explained it very well. Appreciate that. It's really, really <laughs> cool, Cornelius. And uh, again, something that that if we can get the word out and if there are other people listening, you know, Share the word about Cornelius J. Maxwell and, and what he's doing. And if you have resources that you can share with him to help him in these transition um, units, or if you are needing his services, get a hold of him and let's create these safe spaces for our loved ones. 
They're not just, you know, they're not just strangers. They're not someone else's family. These are our people. And uh, let's let's help Cornelius out in, in his effort. His Facebook page, by the way, is Mr. Cornelius J. Maxwell. And you can go on and listen to his Battle Buddy speech on there, if I heard you correctly. Yes, it was, uh, it was the speech that I gave, but my Battle Buddy recorded it. And so Your that's why it's on Facebook. Awesome. Yes, uh, so you can go to his Facebook page. You can follow him and see what he's doing that way. Cornelius, as we're wrapping this up, thank you for sharing, you know, the ventures that you're in right now and and how you're taking your military service and things that you learned there and using it for good to develop other people. Anything else that you would like to share with us about you or what you're up to as we kind of bring this full circle? Um, I believe we, we touched on everything pretty well. I'd say we come on the art, the Lorna Renee Fine Art dot com. We want to honor 100,000 veterans. Uh, we want to also see if we can implement the transition in this theory into actually doing uh, more than just a theory and actually making it happen if we can uh, have it implemented on a military basis. Uh, I believe we can implement it. Uh, we can start by implementing it with a, at one base, you know, and then from there, just let it spread out like you would test, like, like you would test the market, like you would in, uh, in business, of course. You start out small and go big. And so uh, I believe that'll be a great idea and to have those influences and also, like I said, uh, and as well, I just help people as far as me, a motivational speaker. So I like to speak and teach people the difference between being busy and being productive. You know, uh, being busy is someone who doesn't have a plan, but they have passion. And someone who's being productive has a passion and a plan. So I love it. I, I don't know if you guys can tell. Like, I wish you could see his face. And, and maybe we'll hang on to this and we'll stick it on a YouTube channel. But uh, Cornelius, is, he, he's just infectious. He's got a smile that you just want to like take in and you just want to hug him. <laughs> Cornelius, I appreciate you being willing to share your story and that you choose to live your life courageously exposed and taking your experiences and using them to assist other people and, and helping them have language and a place to assist themselves. You know, it's that whole, you can give a man a fish or you can teach him to fish. And I love that you are teaching them to fish by honoring those who taught you how to fish. So just by way of, of review, you guys can go to LornaReneeFineArt.com to check out Lorna's artwork, to see the veteran art exhibit, and also to put in register names for the 100,000 Vets project that they're doing. Uh, we'll put that in the notes. You mm -hmm. also can go and like Mr. Cornelius J. Maxwell on Facebook. So Cornelius, if someone wants to hire you to speak, uh, which sounds like a really great plan to me, how do how do they get a hold of you? Uh, they can reach me on my uh, Gmail. I'm mean, not Gmail. Well, they can reach me on Gmail. That's fine at mr.cornelius.maxwell Gmail, or as well they can reach me on my Facebook or my LinkedIn profile. Okay. So we can go to your LinkedIn, and and I will post those as well in the notes. I have that email. I've got your LinkedIn profile. Cornelius, you're just you're just an amazing character, and I so appreciate your light in the world and what you're sharing, and appreciate you sharing time with us today. And I just want to say thank you. Any any last thoughts before I bring this to a close? Yes, I'd like to say thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, it's truly an honor to, to to sit here and have this conversation with you, and, and to be on your podcast and be introduced to your audience. And and I hope they they enjoy listening to me as I enjoy talking to them. Yeah. I hope they enjoy my words and the sound of my voice as well. 
Yes, your voice. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And I look forward to being able to hear it more often as we develop this friendship, help each other accomplish our goals. So for those of you who are listening, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode with Mr. Cornelius J. Maxwell. I encourage you to go on and look at Lorna's artwork and purchase that as well. Now, you can purchase her artwork on the website, LornaReneeFineArt.com. And at checkout, use code COURAGE. That's code COURAGE at checkout. And we'll know that you are purchasing that artwork because you listened to this podcast today. Uh, if you liked any part of this podcast or others, I invite you to share it with two people today. Just two people. So simple. And to make an impact on others' lives. It also allows us to continue bringing you great content which we'd love to do. Again, if you've loved this, share it with two people. And like we always say, you got to believe in yourself or no one else can. It'll be great.